Hello and welcome to Obsession, where we get horribly obsessed, highly obsessed, <laughs> hilariously obsessed with things that other people might find odd. Nothing is too obscure, too creepy or too weird for us to research obsessively. I'm Heidi. And I'm Rebecca. Join us in being obsessed. <laughs> hello, everyone, and hello, Heidi. How are you? Hi, Becky. I'm fine. So what week of quarantine are you at the moment? Oh, my God. I don't know. I've lost count. I think I might be week five or week six. No, it's more than that, surely. Is it? March, April. Oh, my God. God, it's a long time. A long time anyway, and a lot longer for a lot of other people in the world, I think. And you know what? Time doesn't really mean that much anymore, does it? No. it's You've you've heard the term a month of Sundays? Yeah. That's pretty much, how I think, the entire psyche of the world right now. I don't think anyone knows what day of the week it is. Yeah. But you know what? I've come to be grateful for some things. I'm really grateful that I don't get bored. Like no. I've, I've always been one of those people who go, oh, I, I don't get bored and, and people just want to punch me when I say that. <laughs> but I'm actually really, really grateful for it. I mean, so many people that I know are just struggling so hard with boredom, crushing, crushing boredom. I don't understand that because I'm, I'm actually considering taking a week's I'm working from home at the moment, yeah. as you know, and I'm actually thinking about taking a week's leave from work so that I can actually join the whole collective global experience of being bored because I'm actually really busy um, and it's a bit confusing to me. Do you know what? I enjoy doing nothing because even when you're doing nothing you're not really doing nothing are you no correct correct and you're having time to come up with things to obsess about <laughs> although you didn't need a quarantine to obsess about tonight's episode Heidi no you have been obsessing about this so obsessives tonight we're going to be going a little bit off our usual um genre but not so much because it's about obsession. And Heidi has had this obsession since you were how old? Oh, probably about five, six. Yeah, this, <laughs> yes. this is definitely, definitely a lifelong obsession. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's quarantine, it's lockdown. I think it's time to, you know, break the rules and do things a little differently. So... You know, instead of presenting a story yes. or presenting uh, something factual, you know, I think I think tonight we need to just have a discussion. Okay. Now, before anyone starts this episode, we have to let you know, massive spoiler alert. The entire episode is a complete spoiler alert. Completely. <laughs> All right. So, Heidi, tonight we're going to be discussing what? The Dark Crystal. Mm. And um, specifically, the new Netflix series, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Which you got me obsessed into because I have known for years that you're obsessed with Fraggles and you were obsessed with the, the original Dark Crystal. Yes. And I did not understand it. I've got to be really honest with you. <laughs> and then you kept going up. You were so happy when they did the prequel yes. on Netflix that I sort of felt like I was missing out on an experience. And so I watched it and became obsessed too. Do you know what? My lifelong hero has been mm. Jim Henson. And I've often, said, yeah. I've often said my whole imagination is has basically been formed by um, the work that comes out of Jim Henson Studios. I think a lot of people could say that. I think so too. And I don't think we can underestimate how big an impact that he and his studios have had on the minds of a generation. Mm. So yeah. the Dark Crystal. 
So uh, the dark crystal has been a lifelong obsession of mine. <laughs> now, the original movie came out in 1983, produced by the Jim Henson Workshop. And would you believe it, Becky? I wasn't allowed to see it. Yes, well, I'm not really surprised. And good on your mum, because as I've watched it as an adult, it scared the hell out of me as a grown-up. As a 48-year-old woman, it terrified me. <laughs> well, yeah, my mum thought, you know, I was probably about five, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, so do you know what? She might have been right. Because apparently it was a really scary experience for kids in the cinema. Although, quite, was it made for... quite frankly, they were probably silks and I probably could have dealt with it. <laughs> no. Or you've always been a very strange person who likes to embrace the dark. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. Was it actually made for children or was it made for adults? Do you know what? That's a bit ambiguous. So that was the problem when it first came out because, you know, it's produced um, by Jim Henson, that nice man who does the Muppets. So, you know, there's puppets and everybody was thinking, oh, well, it's perfect for kids. But it's actually a pretty terrifying movie. Yeah. It's dark. It features cruel reptilian monsters, enormous zombie spiders. And I actually got to see it on VHS when I was around seven. And I loved it. Of course you did. None of these things bothered me. Okay, they did bother me, but in a really good way. Yeah, but well, hang on a minute, because if we refer back to another podcast yeah. where you talked about um, the night terrors, um, the sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. You, yeah, the sleep paralysis. The, the images from the dark crystal sort of got into that, didn't it? So it did frighten you on some level. It did, yes. So your mum was right. Yes, it did frighten me. But something that Jim Henson always said was that children's entertainment can be a little bit frightening because sometimes it's good for children to be a bit scared. And I completely agree with him. Don't you? Mm, I think I, no, not quite. <laughs> to a degree. I to a degree. I'm not, I, I don't a think kids, I, do, I don't think kids should be treated like little adults. I think you have to actually hide an awful lot from them um, yeah. just so they can get through their childhood <laughs> before they have to endure the horrors of adulthood. But um, I, look, I, I'd probably let my kids watch The Dark Crystal, but not at five. No, no, definitely no. not. <laughs> Definitely not. And maybe about eight. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But I mean I so, read I was reading occult books when I was actually maybe that's why I am the way I am. Yeah. I was reading occult books when I was about eight, nine. Kids like to be a little bit frightened. It's just a matter of getting that nice balance where, you know, they get that, you know, slight fear but not absolute sleep paralysis. That's right. <laughs> your mum was right. I stand by your mum. Okay. You can stand by her. <laughs> so when I say I loved it, I mean it terrified me and I loved being terrified by it. So the whole universe of this movie just took root in my imagination. Now, Becky, you know I hate Dr. Phil. Rightly so. And I Sorry, hate everything that. he stands for. Yep. Especially at the moment. Have you heard his latest comments? Oh, my God. I don't want to even go into his latest comments, Dr. Phil. Be quiet, Just please. when he thought he couldn't get any worse, he did. Oh, there my you go. God. But there's, you know that thing that he always says about um, the 12 defining moments of your life or whatever? I kind of relate to that because one of the big defining moments of my life was seeing behind-the-scene footage in a documentary of one of the mystics being constructed in the Jim Henson workshop. And yeah, that was pretty much my first, whatever you call it, defining moment about the age of five. 
And even though I knew nothing about these characters or this world, I kind of became obsessed just with that image of that enormous puppet being constructed. So, you know, I became obsessed with the workshop, the idea of people making the characters, and it really just spun me out, the idea that people could just make a monster. And I just thought that was really beautiful. You know, watching the monster actually be constructed probably would have reduced any fear that you may have had anyway because you could see it was a construct and you you could see the reality of it and that it wasn't a real thing. Yeah, that's probably it. You know, it's like when kids star in horror movies and people say, oh, they shouldn't have been there on that set and it's being on that set that made it completely not frightening for them yeah you know i and i've always loved behind the scenes so the critical reaction to the original dark crystal was terrible you know it became a cult classic but at the time it was a total flop and it really damaged the henson company financially They tried to recoup their losses with Labyrinth, another favourite of mine, which also flopped and also became a cult classic. Wasn't Labyrinth the one with David Bowie? Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, Becky! Oh, no, don't. No, come on. Heidi, I do actually have to do other things apart from obsessed with you. Don't give me another obsession, please. This is such a good one. It's David Bowie. He's a goblin king. (laughs) (laughs) So both of those fantastic movies are so loved now. And at the time, they were disasters. So, you know, obviously, this is something that means a lot to me. And when I heard that Netflix were making a spin-off series of The Dark Crystal, I had a lot of misgivings. So, yeah, no, I'm not always a great big fan of the spin-offs. I often get very, very disappointed with um, prequels or sequels, like with The Matrix. I love the original Matrix, but I didn't much like the follow-ons. Yeah, yeah, I know I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and do you know what? I thought, oh, this is just going to be some soulless money grab. It's not going to be true to the original. There was a rumour that they were replacing puppets with CGI, and look, I'm just not really a fan of CGI at the best no. And I really love puppets. So I was no. like, uh, I'm going to sit this one out. Oh, I love CGI. Do you? Oh, yeah. I like it in small doses. I'm, I'm, not, the, I'm not a huge fan of CGI animation. Oh. I'm more of an animatronics fan. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. And then there was a rumour that Brian and Wendy Froud weren't going to be involved. Um, Now, Brian Froud was the designer and Wendy Froud was the main character designer and they were the movie. And luckily, none of those rumours were true. Brian and Wendy Froud and their son, Tony Froud, were, you know, backheading the design team. It was all puppets with a tiny bit of CGI here and there. And it was brilliant. But as I was taking a first look um, at The Dark Crystal, The Age of Resistance, I realised this is a prequel. And I didn't know it was going to be a prequel. And I was kind of confused because the original movie begins some years after the failed resistance, which means that this series is going to have to have an unhappy ending. Yeah, so why did you let me watch it? Because I'm <laughs> knowing not... that you knowing what a sook I am. Because I'm not a very nice person, Becky. No. You know that. That's <laughs> me. Although you did try to protect me from watching uh the the, the original Dark Crystal movie. Yeah. Just, just stick with that one, Beck, just because I got so emotionally involved <laughs> <laughs> that you did actually have some mercy on me and went, don't watch it, don't watch yeah. it. And when I watched it, I was horrified and it was really quite sad. But anyway. 
Yes, and just a reminder, this whole episode is basically one massive big spoiler. Yes. So if you are going to watch it for the first time, which I really, really hope you do if you haven't seen it. um, Heidi likes to bring people into the cult. Yeah, yeah. So maybe prolong this until after you've seen it, if, if you're one of those people who just really don't like spoilers. So um, the original protagonists of the original were the two remaining Gelflings who survived. So we know that all of the lead characters are going to have to die at some point because they're part they're part of a now extinct race basically so glad you introduced me to this so yeah yeah (laughs) so i was really interested in how they were going to manage this and becky i was so impressed i you know i was worried it would spoil my memories of the original but do you know what? I think it's actually a lot better than the original. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. So do I. I, I didn't like I didn't enjoy the second one. I wish sorry, I didn't enjoy the original after watching the you know the prequel. Yeah. And um, I wish I hadn't watched it. But why do you think it's better than the original? Look, I think the problem with the first one was that it had um an ambiguous target audience. So it was too scary and complicated for kids. And it was too sort of muppety for adults. But now you can have puppetry aimed at adults. You know, we've got adults that grew up on Jim Henson and grew up on animation that wasn't strictly for children. So, you know, we get it. So the writers had this really specific audience. They could make it scary. They could make it political. They could make it more complex than the original. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't actually grow up with the original, did you? No, no, no. I never saw it until after I watched the prequel. So, so what? And what honestly, did you, what did to you be think? really, really, what did I think of of which one? The the prequel, the Netflix yeah. series. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it, and was very, very depressed watching the whole thing because I fell in love with the imaginary world. Yeah, and. Um, was sort of looking for a happy ending and, you know, it was called The Age of Resistance. So I sort of figured it was going to have a happy ending and it didn't. And then I watched the uh, original, which is obviously what happens afterwards, and it was just thoroughly depressing because there were so many analogies to our world now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It hits And I wouldn't have watched this if you hadn't made me. Yeah, I know. Just saying. Yeah. Now, um... How did you deal with the Skeksis, Becky? I didn't like the Skeksis, but I was probably less frightened of them than you probably were. I found them ridiculous, whereas I think you as a child found them quite terrifying. Yeah, Um, look, I found them terrifying. I I was scared of them, but I loved them as well. I kind of had this fear slash love for kind of obsessed with them. them. How How could you love them? Oh, because... No, see, to me, the storyline was about the Gelflings and, and they were just the people who were destroying it. I was more obsessed with that, those characters no, than the Skeksis. No, I... I Skeksis. Yeah. Oh, Becky. Can't say Becky that freaking word. Skeksis. I cannot say Skeksis. 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 It's so Skeksis. funny. Skets on skis. Yeah, it's so funny. She can't say Skeksy. It's hilarious. You're just going to have to all endure this, okay? <laughs> because what's happened is, is since we, you know, had this shared experience of the Dark Crystal, we now sort of like um, use a lot of the analogies when we're discussing other events in yeah. our lives. So we will refer to someone as a Skeksy or, you know, or to each other as Gelflings because yeah. I think yeah. they're lovely Gelflings. Yeah. But just to clarify... When I say I love the Skeksis, I don't mean I was on their side. Like I, I wanted them to. You will never know with you, Heidi, because you can be I dark. know. What I meant was <laughs> I loved them as character designs. I loved them as villains because I've always had an interest in villains. So it's not like I was sitting there going, go Skeksis. 
no, 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 I guess what I'm saying is your focus, I guess, yeah. is on the Skatsky more than anything, whereas my focus is more on the Gelflings because they were, you know, trying to resist. And they were quite nice little creatures. Oh, they're adorable. The Gelflings are absolutely adorable. What's the name of that little tiny cute puppy thing that curls up and rolls around? Fisky. <laughs> Fisky. I want one so, so bad. Do I. They're all dead, aren't they? What's that? Sport of alert. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, though I do have to say, um, like when I was a kid, there were these ferns outside my bedroom window and they were Skeksis. They were 100% Skeksis. And they terrified you, didn't they? Yeah, like, like, you know, there'd be a bit of breeze and they'd move and I'd be in bed going, oh, my God, Skeksis. You know, at some point in this podcast, I'm going to somehow entice you to say, my mum was right. I shouldn't have watched it at such a young no, age. No, she wasn't right at all. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Heidi's mum, I cried. <laughs> so what I really, really wanted to discuss today was the politics of the Age of Resistance. Yes, so many parallels, so many parallels, too many. Oh, my God. Which is what I enjoyed about it the most. Yeah, and look, just I'm just putting a disclaimer out there. So, look, what we're going to talk about is totally our views. I've got no idea if the writers or producers were actually thinking of any of the things we're going to talk about, but the parallels just seem so strong to me. So, look, we're not going to go into the story in massive detail because it's a big story. We're just going to touch on the oh, yeah. parts that have some kind of connection with the political climate of the world today. So, look, I'll just give a really brief overview of the universe it's set in. So, the world this takes place in is called Thra. And Thra has this massive crystal that gives off the life force or the energy of Thra. Long before the story starts, Augra, who's the guardian or mother nature figure of Thra, is basically holding together this idyllic world. Then 18 strangers arrive in Thra from another universe and they are the Erskek. The Erskek are these gorgeous, mysterious figures, and they completely enthrall Augra and teach her about the universe and galaxies, and Augra becomes so immersed in projecting her soul into these other galaxies that she forgets about Thra. Now, wait, 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 wait. Do you know what I always think about Augra and the universe and the great big machine is that I think that's an analogy for the internet. Okay. I do. Okay. I mean, in the original, there was no internet. But, yes, I can see how the current day writers may have connected that. That's that's right, and that's what we do. That's really interesting. Oh, I Mm. didn't think of it that way. Mm. Mm. So, at first, the Erskek seemed wonderful. They teach everybody amazing things. All the different species in Thra loves them. And they kind of take over Augur's position of guardian. But they're actually exiles from their own world. And they have these ideas about dividing themselves into two perfect beings. And they were kicked off that planet because that's obviously a crazy idea. So they harness the power of the crystal to split themselves and it doesn't work out how they planned. Instead of two perfect beings, they're divided into the Skeksis, who are the dark, and the Uru, or the mystics, who are the light. The Skeksis have a violent argument and accidentally break the crystal, which causes it to go dark. 
the mystic sleeve and have a kind of hippie commune in the valley and the Skeksis <laughs> take over the Crystal Castle. So the series starts years and years after these events. The Skeksis are seen as benign and generous rulers, which makes me feel nauseated every time I watch that part of it. And the mystics are still meditating in their hippie commune and Augra is still astro-projecting, or in other words, going on the internet, and she's now just thought of as a part of Thra's mythology. The protagonists of the story are the Gelflings, gorgeous creatures, and they're the ones that are the closest to humans. Though they're kind of a cross between an elf and a fairy, they're the species we're supposed to relate to, and I definitely did, without a doubt, and especially uh, related to them in the context of today's oh, world. definitely. And don't forget that the Gelflings are a matriarchal society. All the clans have the Mordras, the female rulers. Now, for me, and I could be projecting my own feminism here because I tend to do that. <laughs> so, isn't that what our podcast basically is, yes, so Heidi? It's <laughs> Um, there is this, this is what we do. There is this constant theme of female leadership being crushed and pushed aside. I mean, for me, the Skeksis are the patriarchy. They're the colonizers. They're the dudes on Wall Street. The men in the suits. Man. The they man. don't care about nature or about everything uh -huh. thriving in its own natural order. They want to make that order and they want to be on top. And the thing... So basically like the IPA oh, in yes. Australia. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And the thing that makes them really dangerous at this point, they're the nice guys. Yeah, but How? <laughs> How, how are they the nice guys? In, in and, and this is where you draw the immediate first parallel to our society, yeah. our real society, in that we, we give these glory and, and this prestige to people who really, truly are not good people. Yes, we do. We do. We give prestige to completely unworthy people. And, you know, this might be a fantasy action-adventure series, but it, in some ways it's just so realistic. It just really punches in the gut that way. And, and, and here is the question. Why do girlfings or earthly, you know, human beings, yeah. why do we do that? What, what is it in us that makes us adore people? Like, I'm sorry, I think we're quite happy to, you know, be disdainful about the same people like Twiggy Forrest. You know, he, he gives what to him is a very small amount of money to control an aspect of the bushfire uh, recovery research and everyone's adoring him and I'm thinking, why? I don't know. I think people just want somebody to look up to. I don't know. It's, it's something that I, I can't really understand. No, there is something about being powerful or being famous that somehow makes people believe that if they are powerful and if they are famous, there must be a very good reason for that and therefore they have to look up to them. I do not understand it. I definitely do not have that uh, proclivity myself. The higher someone yeah. up is, the more I tend to like them. And, but, yeah. you know, something that the Gelflings constantly say, first few episodes at least, is the Skeksis provide you know they provide for us how can you speak well, badly of them yeah like corporations create jobs corporations create jobs yeah yeah absolutely mm -hmm. mm. you're setting me off now yeah yeah i'm i love setting you off it's what i do <laughs> yeah i know you, you like my rants uh, yeah now when this series came out you know in australia at least but i think i think all no, over the world, it, yeah. was, it was when the climate change rallies were happening. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, global pandemics kind of taken over as the main issue, which it does. We're distracted from that now. But at the time, I remember that it just chilled me, this correlation mm. between the crystal being yep. drained of energy by the Skeksis 
and the climate being messed up by overproduction, overconsumption. I mean, it can almost be seen as a metaphor for late stage capitalism. Am I reaching? No, not even remotely reaching. And I, earlier on, you said you're not sure if the producers meant it to be that way. I think they did. Surely they did. Yeah, well, they probably, they probably did. But, you know, I, I don't want to sort of put words in their mouths when I don't think they've actually um, gone into that in great depth in any interviews I've read. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe they want to sort of keep that up to us, keep it ambiguous. I don't know. It's not even remotely ambiguous. <laughs> Then they find a way of draining the essence of gelflings. That is the most horrific thing. Um, yeah. In the original movie, it was podlings because at the time they thought gelflings were extinct, of course. But it's just horrifying. So basically the Skeksis known as the scientist reverses mm. the magnetic field of the crystal and finds it can actually pull the life essence out of someone or something. And just on um, a slight segue, did you notice the, science, the scientist was Luke Skywalker? No. Yeah, it was Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill oh. did the voice. He was so good. I'm going to watch it again now. Yeah. Ah, and talking of voice actors, because I love I love voice actors. Um, I heard the Lord Chamberlain Skeksis and was like, "Oh my God, Frank Cos is reprising the role!" But it was actually Simon Pegg. How amazing was that? He sounded just like Frank Oz. Gelfling. <laughs> mm, oh, you've watched it way too many times. You do that way too well, Heidi. Oh no. Okay. Do you know what? Can I really freak you out? Can I? Okay. No. All right. I will. Anyway. I like the way I say no and you say, well, I'm going to win. <laughs> okay. In the original, you know how the emperor dies? Uh-huh. I'm really good at doing the dying emperor. Do you want to hear? <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I, I, Skeksis. Skeksis. Look, just give me a voice and I'll do it. I love doing voices. (laughs) You like doing evil voices, I think. Oh, look, evil anything. Anything at all, really. (laughs) So anyway, the crystal is getting weaker and the Skeksis just won't leave it alone. That drove me Like Mother Earth, hello. Leave the crystal alone. Like Mother Earth. Yeah. It's just the analogy is too out yeah. there. So they're either draining its energy or using it to drain elf gelfling essence. Do you get it, Lucy? Then they drink the essence and it makes them temporarily stronger and younger. Like Murdoch <gasps> Media and Rupert Murdoch, <gasps> who, by the way, has got to be the evilest Skeksky there is in this entire planet. Yes. Um, he's draining the Gelflings. He is. He is. Um, and even, I mean, forget the good people who he he completely um, uh, extorts with his, oh, evil views Ooh. and just ruins and crushes their lives. He's actually um, making it so that people become soulless and agree with him. Do you get it? The draining of the essence, the draining of the soul. Yes, absolutely. Murdoch is the emperor. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. He is. But do you know what? The Skeksis just remind me of the Australian Parliament so much. (laughs) And I'm not taking that back. They do. They remind me of the Australian Parliament. 
So they're just getting so confident that they're letting bits of their villainy show to the gelflings. Like now. Like now. Look at Trump. Oh, Trump, Trump could not be more transparent with his revoltingness. I remember at one point in the campaign when he got caught on video saying, you know, the grab him by the mm. right? And I'm thinking, oh, he's dead in the water mm. now. He's dead in the water. But no, even even when they reveal, even when the Skeskis reveal themselves to gelflings, i.e., humans, they, we still adore yes. them. What the hell? We see, what the hell? We see it, but we excuse it, or we pretend that mm. we don't see it. It's incredible. I think they pretend they don't see it's it. It's incredible. So they're at the tithing, where it's taxes, basically. So the gelflings are lining up and paying their taxes. And the Skeksis are just being openly merciless, taking more than they need. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you think for one moment the producers weren't actually saying something? Oh, here? look, they probably were. I just don't, I just don't <laughs> want to speak for them. I will. Okay, all right. So now this is the thing. There's a blight on the crops. And this is where we really see the climate change parallels. So the lack of energy in the crystal is causing this thing called the darkening. And the darkening is unbalancing nature. So it's making animals weird, crops barren, you know. So uh-huh. these 1% of Skeksis, they're causing the darkening. Then they're blaming the Gelflings for their lack of productivity. Oh, does that sound yes. familiar? <laughs> just a little bit just a little bit so it's one of the gelfling princesses Brea I love Brea um, and she's the first to question this and she actually says perhaps they want us fighting each other for the leftovers well done little gelfling very wise and that's mm. considered shocking you know because you just don't say that about the Skeksis I yeah, no. <laughs> I think I would be a Bria. Yeah. What about Lord Chamberlain? He was just so Machiavellian. He was evil. Well, do you know what? You think the Emperor is Murdoch? I reckon the Lord Chamberlain is Rupert Murdoch. Or yeah. do you know what? Maybe not Murdoch the person, mm. but the kind of manipulative the propaganda that yeah. you see in the mainstream media. Yes. And he's got this amazing thing that he says. And he says, hmm, the Gelfling have always believed Chamberlain's whispers. This is what I do. Plant stories in the ground. Watch grow into truth. Keep Gelfling looking over shoulder. They will never see what's right in front of them. Hmm. Hasn't Rupert Murdoch pretty much openly said that? Pretty much. He says that he influences elections. Yeah. yeah. So. And yet people, and here's the thing, when pe- when they are, when they reveal themselves like Trump did and like um, Rupert Murdoch has several times, people still somehow hold them up. Yeah. On a pillar. I do not understand yeah. it. And to, to have even more parallels, we've even got outright, outright climate change denial. The crystal's fine. Do you know, I didn't even think of that, Heidi. The crystal's fine. Oh, my God, I didn't pick up on that one. And the way they're ordering the scientist to make it better, and then in the same breath, Mm -hmm. they're telling him he's wrong about everything. So it's kind of like even now the government's doing it to scientists. Like with the pandemic, they're like, make a vaccine, do it right now. No. You don't have to do what you're saying stay inside it's just like the flu you know in yeah. that one hand do this fix this but on the other hand we don't actually believe anything you say yeah yep yeah so the relationship between the skexes and well no i think they do believe they choose not to believe yeah. that no they do believe they just outright deny it because it doesn't fit in with their own very selfish very shallow very temporary agenda yeah. Absolutely. And that's why um, their relationship is just perfect. It is exactly mm-hmm. like, you know, a government and a body of, of you know, research scientists. So um, yeah. I've actually got a quote on hand because I always have quotes on hand. 
And the scientist says, the more essence we consume, the weaker the crystal grows, the greater the imbalance, the faster the darkening spreads. And then the emperor goes, there is no darkening. There is no such thing as climate change. Ooh. Oh, my God. Now, we need to talk about the mystics. All right. Now, they're in the valley being hippies, and I will often think about, you know I have some views which I'll share a bit later about the mystics. But they sort of remind me a little bit, and I'm sorry, Heidi, you may disagree with me here, and apologies, everyone, but sometimes the left wing can be so... Um, wanting to appear good and understanding and, and like, you know, trying to embrace, you know, other points of view, that they don't fight dirty like the right mm. fights mm. dirty. And I think that yeah. a lot about the mystics. I sort of, well, why aren't you doing something? Don't just sit there and meditate yeah. on it. Do yeah, something. Yeah, look, I agree with you. I think they're very passive lefties like me. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I saw myself. Not I so saw much myself me. <laughs> Not so much. Um, look, it takes about four episodes to meet a mystic, and I was getting a bit worried because I love them, and I was like, "Where are the mystics?" And again, it's not so much that I think they're perfect characters. It's that I. Do you know what? I think they are the most beautiful character design. The way they move, oh, the way they move is the so beautiful. The puppetry is extraordinary. Yeah. It, it, really, yeah, really it really, really is. I mean, the cast. I have to say that actually, you know, that did actually um, give me an insight into just how incredibly beautiful puppetry oh, can be. Oh, my God, yes. So, yeah, the, the mystics are beautiful. They really are. So... Look, it is the mystics in action that causes mm. this. Well, no, they're not that causes it, that yeah. supports it, allows it to happen, yeah. enables it, okay? And Orgra, oh, I don't know how you feel about Orgra, but she kind of pisses yeah. me off a little bit because she talks about how much she loves and how much, she is the, the mother of all of this land, but she's off watching yes. the internet. <laughs> and, <laughs> she sort of irritates me a little bit. I think she regrets it. That it's happened, that all this has happened, and it has been because of her, you know, complacency. Yeah. But I don't know about the mystics. I think they are a little bit too um, accepting. Oh well, this is what it is. Yeah, you know? I mean, you've got to remember that the mystics and the skeptics and the oh my god, I've picked up your disease. Oh, I've picked up your not being able to say skexy disease. Uh, so just remember, <laughs> they're the same. Oh yeah, Hardy, I They you. are the same beings. So they've got the same souls. So mm-hmm. like the Skeksy dies, the mystic counterpart dies as well. Now I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have this thing with often with movies where it will ruin for me straight away if I can figure out a way that they could solve everything quite easily. If they share a soul, why don't the mystics just kill themselves? Then no more skepsies. Yeah, shut up, Becky. I don't know. <laughs> it drove me nuts when I realised. I'm like, hang on a minute. But ruined it. I went, I come on. Take one for the team. Well, okay. I think they want to join back with the skepsies. Why? Well, they want to be the Earthskake again. And it's mm. that's it's kind of selfish. Yeah, like yeah. I said, if they sacrifice their lives, then everything's okay. But they're not doing that. And there's another analogy in that. There's another analogy of that because the left, who, who you know, were perceived as being the soft yeah. and woke ones, can actually be quite selfish themselves and, co- and cause just as much damage as people like the Skeksis, yeah. I think. Yeah. And and just just to note, everyone, we're referring to ourselves here because we we're really we're, oh yeah we're no like we're totally left <laughs> we we're like left of left we of are snowflakes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and and look the other thing about the mystics as beautiful as I find them 
They put all this effort into making riddles. They don't say what they need to say. And I'm like, guys, just say it, please. Too passive, too passive. Yeah, it's passive. like they're playing all these intellectual tricks and it's like, no, 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 just say it, you know? And now, yeah, and here's the other thing, same with the girlflings yes. too, right? They are really passive for most of yeah. the series, to yeah. be really honest with you. Um, the resistance doesn't, and that's one thing I did find disappointing about the series or disappointing about the girlflings is uh, that, you know, they didn't actually start their resistance until right yeah. towards the end of the uh, series and um it just takes so long to convince everyone that the sketches are evil and yeah yeah like today yeah like today I mean, that's kind of what i found the most realistic because it does like like we've been saying it does take ages for people to see that kind of thing and the skexies have divided the gelflings remember because they, they all the yeah, they Very all bad. used to be equal, and then you know when the Skeksis took over, they put them into the clans, and the clans are a bit racist towards each other, so they're not listening to each other. So yeah, it's that whole thing of keeping people divided, and then they'll be suspicious of like each now. other, and they'll ignore you. Like now, yeah. so girlflings yeah. now, um, you know, refugees are stealing yes. their jobs. You know, you've heard that. Um, or the unemployed, you know, the unemployed are scum. And, and oh, my God, I, I, I hate the way that the downtrodden in our society are segmented by oh, our yes. media. But, and, and it's deflection. Yeah. It's deflection. You know, it, it's each other. It's because it's of refugees that, you know, you're not getting work. No, it's not because, you know, corporations are, yeah. oh, anyway. Yeah. And- <laughs> And it's all there. It's all there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, look, there are so many things that are familiar to our political situations now. Um, but in terms of storytelling, um, in terms of character, there were some pretty scary things happening. And what was the most frightening bit or what was the most frightening character for you oh i don't think i was frightened of any of them oh you I were terrified the one that you were terrified no i wasn't no i wasn't terrified i was just deeply dark and <laughs> depressed thank you very much heidi you know i was probably having a perfectly nice happy day until you made me watch it and then i got all depressed at the analogies of today's world and and mourning over the cute little gelflings that were about to disappear. No, I, I wasn't terrified of any of them because I'm not kind of terrified of authority anyway in my life. I'm a very, I'm odd like that. I, I don't, um, hierarchy doesn't frighten me. What? I think I was most depressed and disheartened by the fact that no one listened and they played into the Skeksis game. Yeah. Does that make sense? Hey, I said Skeksis, oh right? God, congratulations. Yay, Ooh. ring a bell. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I'm going to tell you um, some of the bits that I found really scary. So there's this part where Saladon, who is a young gelfling, uh-huh. goes to pledge allegiance to the Skeksis. So Celadon is the new Mordra or, you know, the new ruler of the highest-ranking gelfling clan. She's kind of an anti-hero. You know, she does some awful things. You know, she burns her mother's corpse because her mother turned against the Skeksis. That was really intense. Um, you know, she's a, she's a massive brat basically. But, you know, she's kind of a brat who's got a heart of gold deep down. She's very complex. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I view her Do very, you? very differently. Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't think she has got a heart of gold. Oh, there's, there was kind of a bit with the sisters where they were kind of bringing the goodness out of her. Yeah, okay. No. It was, see, I, I see, I have this theory yeah. about this, is that there, there are people that are innately just good and anything they do that's wrong is generally an anomaly 
but the core of them is basically always okay. And there's those where the core is basically yeah. not okay, but they do do good things. Mm. You know what I mean? I see her as the latter, okay. to be really honest with you. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, there is this part where, because she's refusing to see the Skeksis as they really are. Okay. And she um, starts to like adopt Skeksi fashion, which is kind of like a really bad goth phase. And it was kind of <laughs> funny. It was kind of like watching me in my early 20s. Um, <laughs> so. So she thinks <laughs> that she's going to be led into this boys' club. But yes. no, 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 hell no. So there is this part where, honestly, I thought we were going to get a gang rape. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is the dark crystal. Is there going to be some really gritty rape scene in the dark crystal? You know, because the Skeksis swarm in on this tiny lady gelfling they're ripping off her robes and I'm just going, what's happening here? But it's, it wasn't, it wasn't actually a rape scene. Thank goodness. That would have been, that would have ended me. I think um, it was actually a throwback to the original movie where the Lord Chamberlain gets stripped. And uh. that, that was a traumatizing moment in the, in the original movie. I found you know, I'm trying to think if I can put uh, this into words. That that entire scene was really, really yeah. disturbing. And I actually found feminist parallels. Oh, so in did that, I. Which is yeah, which is that you know you, you can you can you know join the workforce. You you can you can um, pretend to speak like a man, but deep down, always there is that threat of being stripped off and of being raped. I, I saw it from a very feminist point of view. I'm so glad you said that because mm. what I was thinking was something quite similar. I was thinking of um, like anti-feminist commentators and opinion writers. I <laughs> know. We both thought of the same person with Celadon. Are we going to go there on this oh, podcast, okay. Heidi? Oh, well, because... They're not going to listen. Okay. They're not yes. going to listen. Okay. In Australia, okay. there are some anti-feminist opinion writers. Um, uh-huh. one, Who are female. female. One of them's called Miranda Devine. Uh-huh. There's another one called Daisy uh-huh. Cousins. And uh-huh. I, I was thinking of Daisy Cousins. Were you thinking Same. of her? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Celadon yeah. was Daisy Cousins yeah. to me. That's what she was to yeah. me too. Yeah. So they, they, they do anything that they want to be to so badly sort of have. Um, I don't mean to put anything on Daisy here. I mean, I, mean, I hate her guts, but I don't want to, you know, you know write no. her narrative for her. But with Celadon at least, with Celadon at least, um, I viewed her as wanting so badly to mm-hmm. be like them that she adopted their yeah. behaviour and their uh, costume. So what these um, anti-feminist right, female writers don't realise is that they can talk mm. the talk and they can walk the walk and they can say these outrageous things, but they're not part of the boys' club. The boys' club would still just as quickly rape them or demean them or, or if they weren't young and attractive. Or at the, you or know, at the very least just, fire them without reason, Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not part of it. And Celadon was not part of the um, Skepsky, no matter how much she thought she was and no matter how she behaved and how much she embraced and their she culture. she was never, ever going to be. Never, and ever going to be. she did not see it that way. And so that, that bit might have traumatised you, but it didn't me because, I mean, I didn't wish it upon yeah. Celadon, but I thought well, that's what it is, lady. And I think the same thing with the, you know, the Serena Joys yes, of our lives. the Serena Joys. Oh, and just something gross. Did we have to see a urinating Skeksy? Did you catch that bit? <laughs> no, okay. I didn't. I so did. one of them, I think it's the general, is up on the ramparts of the castle. And... You see a stream of wee 
and then another stream and then another one. There are three simultaneous streams of we. And what does that suggest, Becky? I have no idea. Well, he's Where are standing you going? there. He's got yeah. three streams of urine. I think they're yeah. a little bit, you know, maybe too well hung. I didn't need to know that. <laughs> Hi, <Heidi. laughs> I didn't even remotely go there. <laughs> Ooh. It still doesn't make them desirable. No, it doesn't. Okay? It's like that was not necessary. <laughs> Are you sure you don't love this Ketsy Heidi? You're getting me worried again here. <laughs> But do you know what? That was one oh, of those things God. that I thought was a bit of design genius. Kind of like they are so strange, you know. Of course they're going to have three willies. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, no, 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 wait. I'm going to go. I'm going to go there. Yeah. I'm going to go there. It's also another parallel to this whole, I don't know. You, but just sometimes when you're with men it's like their penis takes up the whole room and absorbs everything right so of course the sketches would have bloody of three course. of them to take over everything <laughs> oh my god i hope men are listening to this you know you're never going to get a what? date heidi how dare you <laughs> don't let them know about this podcast if you go on a date <laughs> And another thing, they're just obsessed with immortality. So what is it with these rich, powerful people and their obsession with not dying? Just a segue here. No no parallels, of course, but how old is Murdoch now? <laughs> no, no, Sorry, just yeah, random yeah. thought. So like um, the hunter, this that really powerful Skeksy, the hunter, he dies and they actually don't have any death ceremonies because they oh, don't yeah. know what to do because they don't usually die and they can't think about death. Um, so they just string his corpse up like a marionette puppet. Ah. That's hideous because, you know, if he's just hanging there, they can just pretend he's not dead. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I never even yeah. thought about that. So I found that part really disturbing. You know, this dead guy you know, just hanging up there. Yeah. That makes me think of the, you know, the the North Korean leaders leaders that seem to be somehow immortal even though they're yes. very very dead. They're, they're hanging, hanging there. there, aren't they? They're hanging there. All those they may have just recently been joined, yeah. but anyway. All those, all those rich people one. who had to be cryogenically frozen because they cannot stand the idea of it being over for them. Yeah. That's, I think that's yeah. really gross. But we should do an actually, episode yeah, on that, actually. Yeah. Actually, we should. Actually, we really should. Oh, God, another <laughs> obsession. Great. I'm no, never going to get my dishes done, am I? So, so, okay, something nicer. <laughs> If you were a girlfriend, uh-huh. which I think we are girlfriends, you and I, I think oh, the two of us are girlfriends, definitely. So which yeah. clan would you belong to? So I'll just run through uh-huh. a few of the clans. So you've got the Grotten clan, and they're the underground ones like Deet, you know, that little sweet girlfriend. And uh-huh. you've got the Stonewood clan. They're the warriors that live in the woods, like Rian. Then the Vapra, they're the posh ones that live in the mountains, like Drea. Uh, The Sifa, they're the sailor fortune-telling ones. They're kind of like pirates. They creep me out a bit, but anyway. And the Dusan, who are nomads, they're obsessed with death. They're really magical. So which one do you identify with? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Because they got all the energy from that tree. And I get all my energy from trees, absolutely, without even thinking about it twice. Yeah. I'm definitely that. And so are you. Do this you is why I'm, we bond. We're the same kind of girl thing. I was kind of thinking maybe I'm a Vaprim. Well, really? kind of, in that I kind of related to Drea 
because, you know, she's always reading, she's always drawing in her journal and just, I don't know, like not, not the whole highborn thing of the Vapra, but more that kind of, um, mm. I suppose, um, the image. The literary, the literary, yeah. the literary. So, but hang on, did you just say you thought, felt like you were Grotten? No, Vaprin. Yeah. Oh, Vaprin. Sorry, I misunderstood you then. I thought you were saying we're both Grotten. Oh, I thought you were saying we're both Grotten. No. No. Okay, oh, we're confusing <laughs> ourselves now. Oh, uh, yeah, just forget us. Okay, so you are Vaprin, yeah. I'm Grotten, right? That's oh, what I okay. would have said too. Okay. About both of us. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. Now, just, I don't know, but why is it that the female uh, gelflings can fly and the male gelflings can't? Because they are awesome. That's what I was thinking too. And I think it's a bit of a shout out that women are awesome. And let's not forget that the original gelfling creator was the amazing Wendy Froud, who is an Mm. absolute legend. Those costumes. Oh my, god. oh my god. My god. I tell you what, the entire series is definitely oh. candy. Well, the one anyway, the first one's a bit depressing with dreary um landscapes, but the the um yeah. prequel, you know, uh, Age of Resistance. Oh my god, eye candy everywhere. It was really hard yes. sometimes to follow the plot because I was so busy admiring the I, I was admiring the, the costumes and also um the light fixtures. If you notice the light fixtures, yes. Oh my god, yes! I want. Yes, yes. me and that's, too. That's where they put CGI into really good use into the lights, into the lighting. See, see, see. No, CGI no, can be I good. I like Heidi. CGI in small amounts, and also I believe that the Gelfling faces had some CGI twinking, tweaking in order to get, like, the emotional complexity. Yeah, I oh, think okay. they did. And they did it so well that you can't really notice it. You know, at, at, when I first started watching it, I did have trouble getting around the fixed face yeah. or fixed, uh, the, the fixed face or features. But um, it, literally within five minutes, I, I really did see them all very much as strong, identifiable very expressive characters. You know, they're, they're very um, complex and deep characters. You know, they're not these one-dimensional puppets, are they? No, I'm, no, I'm not sure. I mean, there's not one scene in particular where the Gelflings are sitting around the campfire. It's after the Ormordra's death. And they're kind of, they're talking about their parents. They're talking about their parent issues. And, you know, whether they felt their parents really loved them. And I'm like, wow, this is taking it to another level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. But I had, uh, well, I will thank you for introducing me to the prequel. I will never thank you, even though you did try to stop me, from introducing me to the first, I, to the uh, I original didn't introduce you to the original. I told you not to watch it. You did, you did. You actually, I think yeah. you pretty much begged me not to watch and told yeah. me to stay on that one. So, yeah, yeah, that's totally down to me. You. Okay, fine. Totally. <laughs> so, if you have not seen these, get in, get obsessed yeah. like us, please, guys. And you can identify which who are the Skeskis in your life, and you'd be surprised. They walk oh among gosh. us. They totally walk among us. <laughs> yep. Everywhere. They're not all all powerful, but some of them wish they were. Well, on that note, Becky, do you think you'll be sleeping tonight? Yes. Because I'll be thinking about the prequel. I'll be thinking about the lovely Gelflings. And I will reimagine it in my mind what really happened to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I spent my childhood doing as well. So. So that's a good thing. <laughs> well, guys, I hope that uh, you enjoyed our conversation. 
I hope that it inspired you to get on Netflix and watch that amazing series, uh, The Age of Resistance. And we also hope that you're, you know, coping during this lockdown. And um, yeah. we hope that you're kind of like us and not feeling bored and and feeling, you know, maybe there's um, some room for creativity during this time. And maybe something good yeah. will come from it, she says, yeah. hopefully. Maybe we'll learn. Maybe we'll learn to do things a bit differently. I hope okay? so. Um, it would be wonderful if you could subscribe to our podcast. Maybe leave a nice review for us. Uh, leave some stars. We would really, really love that. And tell your friends about us if you think that they would like us too. Or you can follow yep. us on Facebook. Just look up Obsession and you get glimpses of what episodes yeah. are coming up. Absolutely. So good night, everybody, and stay gelfling. <laughs>